this is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Ladies and gentlemen, you know exactly what time it is. Welcome to the Catitude Podcast on the Believe Network. My name is Anders Pryor, and I will be your host. Thank you for making us a part of your Monday and a part of your week. We got another great episode right here for you guys. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. Uh, we took care of Lemoyne. Uh, got a got a couple really important games coming up, a lot of good players to talk about, and we're just going to get started right here, and thank you for tuning in. So, newsflash, uh, we destroyed LeMoyne uh, 38-57. Uh, I actually did not realize that this was LeMoyne's first year in Division One, um, which, going off of the, the box score, and now their 0-2 record may be not quite as surprising. They're a member of the the Northeastern Conference. That's what they got uh, assigned to. Um, it's, it's, it's the same conference that, you know, boasts stuff like, uh, yeah, here. Yeah, Fairleigh Dickinson, who a lot of people remember from last year being the one seed to beat Purdue, Sacred Heart. Is in there, uh, Merrimack. They they're kind of pretty consistent winners of that conference. That you'll often find them as a fourteen or fifteen seed uh, in March. Uh, Long Island, and then uh, kind of a bunch of other sort of just miscellaneous schools. And then Lemoyne's in there too. I kind of figured that when you know if you lose to Georgetown in your previous game here, let's see here, it, it, I think it was a pretty 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 much a similar sort of score um actually they might have even scored more here let, let, let let's 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 check let, let's let's check if they got that yep 94 57 so an even more dominant victory so I thought we would have taken care of them even more than that but a blowout win is a blowout win um and it was a good win and some blowouts are better than others. I thought that this was a, a good blowout where we saw, you know, everyone kind of contribute pretty evenly. Obviously, you know, there's the whole controversy, you know, with with Eric Dixon only playing 24 minutes and him only taking three shots, having zero points. Um, only uh, only six total rebounds, too, uh, which is not like him. So I guess an off night for him. Is what you'd call that, but in, I I don't I wouldn't be too worried about it. There was nothing really that I saw, um, that kind of looked sort of concerning. Just in just in terms of off the box score stuff, like stylistically how he was moving, how he was talking, how he was pointing, how he was kind of organizing himself. Nothing really that caught my eye from a negative standpoint. So, you know, we we'll, we can monitor that. You know, especially after such a high high performance in the first game against American, but. Nothing really, you know, super, super strong to point out there. Um, Armstrong came back nine points. Uh, I thought the Heat was a lot better. 
Moore, again, same thing, looked like himself, you know, stylistically, you know, the one-on-one stuff in the box, you know, using his frame around the perimeter, um, except now it equated to more offensive production, putting up 21 points, leading the team in all scoring, um, led all scoring for the whole game between both teams, um, which I guess LeMoyne in their 57 points maybe would be super surprising, but it is impressive nonetheless. Uh, TJ Bamba had his had his solid performance with having 15 points, uh, five rebounds, and four assists, um, three threes, uh, which I which which was I think the highlight for a lot of people. We we saw that I think a little bit against American, but I think that that should be it's not the only part of his game, but one of the focal points is his perimeter shooting. Burton another solid offensive night, 10 points. Uh, 13 rebounds, which led the team. Um, again, the the height is incredibly refreshing, um, and it's not just from a rebounding standpoint, you know, because because the 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 Villanova being short criticism has always been a thing, you know, in, in terms of like limiting kinds of schemes that we can run and maybe some kind of one on one driving matchups and such. But rebounding, you know, because of a lot of the larger guys and more kind of muscularly built guys that we've had, that's never been an issue. Um, but it is still really promising to see, and I think that it'll be really helpful once the Cats get into some conference play, some of the tougher conference play with some with taller players, we, what we see with Creighton and UConn and Marquette. Now, the big highlight for me was Hausen. And with him going, I thought, six, yeah, six of eight from three, which I, I obviously he shot incredibly. Um, I feel like some people don't really have a, a full complete grasp on how talented of a shooter he actually is where you know he's kind of just talked about where he is a shooter or the best shooter on the team or the 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 spacing and then shooting from three is kind of that that's his role right and that's a strong role that he has um but I think that the actual talent level that he possesses in that is not talked enough you know with as much regard, and I think that what he did that night, what he what he did what he did against Lemoyne, I, I think is not a super inaccurate demonstration of what we could actually see consistently from him if given enough volume. People, and I, I said this last week, I was on the in the faction of people that were advocating for him uh, to start. I know that, you know, Bamba is taking that starting role. I know that that was favored by a lot of people. Um, but I I think that his actual, like, aptitude as a basketball player and as a three-point shooter, shooter will be totally realized because we all knew that that's what he was good at when we recruited him and when we committed him, you know, when he committed to, to play here. Um, but I do think that, you know, that that will be realized. Um, Chris Archidiakonu, um, or Ar- Ar- Archidiakono, excuse me, um, only with three minutes. Um, Hausen and Chris last year were kind of two people that 
sort of saw their roles sort of fluctuate a lot. Um, obviously, Chris began the year starting, um, you know, kind of just as like a continuity piece for Kyle, someone who we knew wasn't going to make mistakes, who wasn't going to turn the ball over, who was going to handle appropriately, but was limited offensively. And, you know, there's one side of it that people have in, in the debate, which is, you know, the offensive production we know is limited, but he does the right things and he plays Villanova basketball. And for that, he deserves credit um, because he doesn't increase our chances of losing when he's out there. Um, and then with Housen, you know, started off not as many minutes and then it's slow. Him and Longino were kind of the two big examples. It started off not many minutes and then slowly, slowly uptaking more and more and more. And then, you know, you add Cam Whitmore to the equation. Then you add Justin coming back halfway through the season to the equation. And even if the minutes increased, there wasn't a consistent increase. It started to fluctuate in the second half. Um, and so now this year where the rotate your spots in the rotation will be harder to come by, um, I think there is a debate as to between those two guys within the, within the guard depth chart. You know, assuming that, you know, Hakeem Hart doesn't get this, you know, super ex- kind of explosive development, you know, who do you give those minutes to Housen or Arch? And so far they've gone to Housen, and I do think that is the right role. That is the right direction. And amongst purists, that might not be the most popular opinion. Um, but I do think that we are in a position now where over the past four or five years, the we always know the def, defense will always be a thing in the Big East and that hard play will always be a thing in the Big East, but the scoring because of the recruiting that we've that the the conference has gotten with all these programs, it, it is is now it, it's so much better where you see, you know, last year Xavier, Creighton, Yukon, Marquette all dropping like high seventies, low eighties in points, like consistently every single night. And so you know, Arch does the right things, but the the lack of offensive production is not quite there. And I think that going with Housen, who I know sometimes gets criticized for, you know, playing defense out of structure for him it is not, you know, it, it, it's a little bit of a working point for him in comparison to maybe some of the other guards in the team. But I think that the 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 production and the shooting and the spacing that he provides... Um, and, and I think it works well, especially with these new transfers. It works well with where it'll work well with Burton. I, I think that him getting the uptake in minutes and, you know, not expecting six of eight every single night. But if you're in a situation where you're in a shootout with Creighton or UConn and if Arch, is he's out there and, you know, he puts up two points and maybe allows zero or he allows two versus, you know, Housen, who maybe allows four points or five points, but he puts up 12 or 13. To me, that's a more, from a net standpoint, that's a more valuable um, 
contribution. And so I, I think, you know, I don't, my guess is that with how efficient Bomb is being, and obviously none of us expect Armstrong to, we expect him to heat up over the course of the year, like we were all talking about before the season. I don't think he'll end up in the starting lineup at any point, um, as much as I would have liked to see it going into the year. But I do expect for his offensive role in the year to increase over time. And I'm really excited to see Villanova fans start to really get a full breadth understanding of his talent as a three point shooter, not just within, because they were saying on the broadcast, you know, Neptune saying that not, you know, pro, not just the best shooter on the team, because I think that kind of goes without saying, but one of the best shooters that the program has had in the time that Neptune has been there, um, which is a decade. So, and I think that, that that him saying that is very affirming for him, you know, him being someone last year where his role wasn't really clearly defined, especially at the beginning of the year. Um, I think that that's going to be really, I think I'm, I think of all the players in terms of the direction that they can take, I think Housen is the one whose path on the team and how it evolves over the course of the year is the one that I'm going to be the most excited to watch. So if you look right now at the AP Top 25 and the coaches poll, um, we, we've moved up one spot from 22 to 21. Um, and I think that, you know, going up the rankings is appropriate, but I, I think the one spot kind of where it is, I, I do think that that is, I think it's appropriate. Because I think if you look at the teams that are ahead, and I'm just you know approximating based off because it, it is slightly different in the in the AP versus the coaches. So if you look at the five teams, so in the AP, so you have Villanova 21. Then at, from going from 20, 20 to 16, it go it, it goes North Carolina, Texas, Michigan State, Kentucky, USC. Um, I thought that USC being opening the year as I, I think it was 20, um, I thought it was low because I'm, I'm really high on Isaiah Collier and I know they're, they're, they're going to get Bronny back and they, 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 they have a good, I think, foundation there. I think they got kind of, you know, maybe lost in, in the Pac-12 a little bit kind of, but I, I think that they, they're a team that I, I, I would kind of consider as maybe like a four or five seed like sleeper to to make the final four um and then in the coaches poll it goes from 20 to 16 usc michigan state unc texas and kentucky and in my mind um there is nothing that we've really done in terms of our wins against american and lemoyne that I think demonstrate any kind of reasoning why we should be against that group, uh, not against, excuse me, above that those five teams. Um, I know that Michigan State by far was the biggest drop. Um, they went down 14 spots in the AP poll and 15 spots in the coaches poll. Um, because of their upset loss to JMU, uh, who in the AP poll is now ranked at 24. They're 3-0 and now. Um, 
I don't think we're quite there yet in, in terms of, and then if you look at the next five over, you know, the Baylors and the Arkansas, you know, you got Gonzaga in there and University of Miami. Um, Tennessee jumped up a couple spots. Duke is still in the top 10 in both polls despite their loss. I don't think we're quite there yet. Now, I think this, obviously, you know, tonight we have the matchup against Penn, which I think that people are are, are excited are excited to see. Um, I think seeing another kind of caliber loss, you know, or caliber win, caliber loss for Penn, where, you know, it's a 25-plus victory for Nova. I think, you know, two's a coincidence, three's a pattern. I think that that will, that will affirm it for a lot of people, you know, where the dominance over inferior opponents will be a consistency. And then we'll get into real testing with with Power 5 teams against Maryland, against Texas Tech, against um, Kansas State, and other potential opponents depending on how the tournaments shake out. I think that once we get through those games, those three games, then we will be able to more able to have a more accurate evaluation of what the team's capabilities are so that that way when we go into Big East play, which again includes teams that will be in this top 25 consistently with Marquette and UConn and, and Creighton, will be more prepared for that. And then we, I think we can, pre- not only more prepared, but I think from a fan standpoint and an analysis standpoint, we will be able to more accurately project those matchups before they happen. Um, I think the good thing for Villanova as well is that as the Big East has gotten better, um, what it means for us is that wins in the Big East, I feel like, mean more now than they did in 2017 and 2018. Um, Because for anyone, even a top team like Kansas or Houston or Tennessee or Gonzaga, a a win against one of those big three, Marquette, UConn, and Creighton, are big deals for any opponent, anyone that beats them. And so we get two cracks of them every year. And so I feel like we will have more opportunities to boost our way in the rankings and more different kinds of combinations of pathways to jump ourselves into the top 10, which I I, I do feel like the ceiling for the team is in the 7 to 10 range. Um, I we're, we're, I don't think that you know Kansas, Purdue, you know Houston, th- those are not those are going to be hard to surpass. But I feel like the 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 Big East teams in the similar range, Marquette, UConn, Creighton wins against those teams will I think further propel us. Um, and I think that it's good in terms of wanting Villanova to climb the ranking standpoint that we now have component uh, opponents that we will be able to consistently face that will give us the chance to boost our rating. For the group of people that do care about that, because I know that some people try to stay away from the rankings as much as they can and take the approach of, oh, well, if you're in the tournament, it, you're, if you make, as long as you make it to March, it doesn't really matter. I know that there are some people that are very particular about it. 
and re- and like to get into strength of victory stuff, you know, from the start of the season, not just when we get to March, but for the for the crowd that do care. Um, I feel like we're lucky that we get to compete in such a competitive conference that will allow us to have big time wins. Because that's the con- criticism. I mean, look at Gonzaga, right? That's the big thing with Gonzaga is that Gonzaga does not, you know, people criticize Gonzaga for lack of big wins, except the thing is that because of the conference that they play in, you know, aside from an odd year where Santa Clara is good and, you know, obviously St. Mary's, you know, they're they're more than more they're more than respectable. They don't really have as many opportunities for big wins versus Villanova does. And I and I think that that will for those people that do care about the rankings, I would feel very very easy about that going forward and kind of let these first 10 games ride out as they are. Speaking of big wins, I want to talk about Kyle Neptune, who I think that despite all of the new and exciting stuff with the roster, is probably the person in the building who everyone spectating will have their eyes on most. What does a successful season for Kyle Neptune actually look like? Now, there's kind of a few different pathways with how to answer this. So, for some people... The first pathway is just literally doing better than next year and having an improved record with all of the pieces now Um, because that might be just the literal definition for people. It's not that's not how I subscribe to it, but for a lot of people just winning more games than you did last year, that will be viewed as a success. And I think, you know, I, again, I don't agree with that, but I think that is fair, you know, for a second year person in a really tough conference. I think that that's a totally kind of fair judgment, which implies to a certain extent, if you just look at the records last year and the numbers last year and all the standings is another way of saying, just make the tournament as a 10 seed or an 11 seed or what have you. And, you know, from in the chips may fall where they do now for some people, there is a higher expectation of, you know, kind of the second pathway, which is a tangible round, you know, the elite eight, the sweet 16, you know, the you, people might say the final four, although that was an expectation every year with Jay, you know, people might not quite be there yet, um, unless you are, in which case, you know, um, just given the history of the program, you know, I get it, right? You know, it, it's what we, we, we expected with John Shayer, right? I think that that range, I, I think for a lot of people, getting the round of 32 and Sweet 16 is probably the range that you'll find the most um, as, as kind of the median opinion, with Elite Eight sort of being like the ceiling of that. I think if you ask most people, that's what it is. The third pathway is not quite as focused around record, although I think maybe that's the biggest part of it to a lot of people when they view a successful season for Kyle, for Coach Neptune. What it will be is the actual on-the-court product and actually number one 
you know, close games down the stretch situationally, how does he do? Um, in terms of player utility, right? Like, how do you use guys? How, how you know, that was kind of the big issue with Eric Dixon, where maybe he was jump-started in certain situations a little bit faster than maybe what his, excel, his you know, development from the previous year called for. Um, you know, who was taking shots down the stretch, you know, you know, for, for Chris Arch, right? Like, even the people that didn't mind him starting or even people that supported him starting didn't always loved how much he closed games and, you know, thinking that he was misused. And, you know, why is he, you know, running this screen instead of this person, even when Moore was healthy in the back half of the season? So, for I think for a lot of people... They're not focused on, hey, get this many, this this number of wins, or get to this round in the Big East tournament, and or get to this round in March. Um, I think for a lot of people, their kind of approach is fix these specific things that we watched that we were frustrated with last year, and then the assumption being the record, the increase, the 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 the, the improved record will come with that naturally over time. Um, and I think that's probably the party that I would fall into. I think part of what the improve, I think what makes a successful season for Kyle as an individual coach is his improvement as a coach. And for some people, like in the first group, that literally might just mean winning more games than we did last year, even if it is one, right? Kind of just the simple way of looking at it. Um, and I think for I think for me though, what it really is is that it's the situational stuff. Is you know managing the rotation. You know we even in Lemoyne we saw a guy subbing in and out like within the first two minutes of the game. I don't think that you know not everyone really likes that. You know. There's a difference between depth, you know, you want to have depth, but you still want to have structure. Um, and so I am going to be looking for those things early. And I think that the biggest indicators that, you know, the games I think that I want to see those in the most are the three that I talked about earlier, Maryland, Texas Tech, and Kansas State, and then later on in UCLA. Um, I want to see those those kinds of that kind of late stuff and sort of mid-game rotational stuff kind of sharpened up and then from there um I think the wins the added wins will kind of just sort of come naturally with that and I think that understanding is made clear by the fact that the roster just is it is better um which is why the expectations are high um and in, you know cuz with now that the roster is better some people even if the roster was the same, if you just kind of copied and pasted the group that was there last year into this year, people might still expect a better record. Either it's whether it's because you would assume that you would have people the whole time, you'd have Cam the whole time, you'd have more the whole time, or because you just expected him to become better out, you know, out of just reps, right? But I think now the roster is better than it was last year. And that baseline might be the same for some people of what they expect, just to going from year one to year two in a context-independent way. And then there are some people who, you know, expected him to be better, 
And then now with these transfers coming in and you have everyone healthy, those expectations are even higher than they were previously. Um, so I, I, I think that it's not really... I think that there's a lot of different ways, and that's good. And if anything, that that that's good for Kyle in terms of his how he's viewed, because I think there are different people that will view success for him differently, and so that gives him the opportunity to maybe not impress everyone, but he'll at least impress some people, and he will this by the end of this year at the bare minimum have more advocates going exiting this year than he did exiting last year and i think in terms of how we view him as the kind of long-term solution at coach for the program i think in his mind that's that's relieving for him and i think will provide us more clarity with answering that question that's all that I got for you guys in terms of my analysis and my my ramblings and my talking to myself. But thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Villanova travels to the University of Pennsylvania tonight to take on the Quakers uh, in what I expect to be a very similar strength of victory that we saw against American and LeMoyne. Uh, I will be back with you guys later in the week to talk all about it. Uh, But this has been the Catitude Podcast on the Believe Network. I've been your host, Anders Pryor. I will see you all very soon. Take care. Go Cats. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.